HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. afternoon. It's Friday, 4 o'clock, and that means it's the Heritage Radio Network Farm Report. This week's Farm Report is brought to you by our sponsor, Hearst Ranch, raising cattle since 1865 on the Central California coast. Um, I'd like to welcome to our show today, Danny Williamson. Hi, Danny. You with us? I'm here. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Heather? I'm doing very well. I just want to um, encourage people to call in with any questions at 718 718- Four nine seven two one two eight. As we have an expert poultry farmer online with us today, um, Danny Williamson grew up on a cattle ranch near Douglas, Kansas, and is now the owner of Windmill Ranch of Tampa, Kansas. And he's part of the Good Shepherd Turkey Ranch Network. Danny, to get started, how did you get involved in farming, and were your farming roots always associated with poultry? Uh, I actually grew up on a farm uh, outside of Douglas, Kansas. Uh, my father helped run the cattle ranch and the farming operation. And I got started in poultry because we always had chickens on our farm. Uh, we raised them for meat and eggs, and uh, we would eat, you know, raise them for the eggs and eat the eggs uh, during the spring and summer. And then we would uh, butcher about 100 chickens every year to put in our freezer for the winter months. So you've always sustained yourself with your own chickens? Yes. Yes. Uh, I learned from a very young age that uh, the more you could do to feed yourself, the better off you were. Wonderful. Well, um, can you define the difference between a farmer and a breeder? And do you consider yourself one or the other or both? Uh, A farmer is someone who actually uh, does the the growing of the birds. Okay. uh, Whether the the breeder actually... uh, keeps breeding breeding stock back to help get the genetics from for the further years down the road. Uh, I, I consider myself both. I am a breeder. Uh, I breed uh, the black turkeys and uh, some of our chickens, our heritage chickens that we have, the, uh, the Cornish and the Plymouth Barred Rocks. So, and I'm also a grower. I also uh, grow uh, chickens and turkeys for our company. Uh, so therefore, you know, I am one of the farmers also. So you mentioned the Cornish. Now, where did these names originate from? Uh, 
If you listen to the the name of any uh, American Poultry Association uh, breed of chicken, uh, the name will actually tell you where they originate from. Uh, Cornish uh, originate from Cornwall, England, mm-hmm. so they're an English breed. Uh, Plymouth Bard Rock, uh, of course, originates from Plymouth Rock here in America. So. Okay. Now, I actually have a question from a Michael of New Jersey who wants to know, what is... Um, do, are the breed names associated with the bloodlines or the genetics in any way? Uh, sometimes it can be. Uh, if you uh, sometimes you will hear somebody refer to the Kardash bronze turkey. Okay. Uh, it's simply a bronze turkey, but the gentleman by the name of Norman Norman Kardash mm-hmm. uh, raised them for almost his entire life, and therefore uh, he kind of had his own uh, line going himself. Uh, so that's why they get named after people sometimes. Okay, so um, how are you able to, you know, um, acquire these superior genetics, and how far can you trace back their lineage? Uh, the way we uh, acquire our genetics is simply go out and, and find someone who has raised them. Uh, I am very involved with the American Poultry Association, which is one of the oldest agricultural organizations in the United States. Okay. Uh, they were founded in 1873. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are other people out there that actually have these birds and, and raise them for show poultry. And they breed them by the APA standards of perfection. And, you, yeah, keep going. Yeah, and what that means is uh, the, the APA has actually put out a standard of what each breed and variety of chicken, turkey, duck, goose is supposed to look like. Okay. Um, you mentioned something about shell production. That's what that would be? Yes. Okay, so it's to make sure that they breed to look like exactly what, I guess, the shell would be representing. Yes. Okay. So I understand you recently built a coop to expand upon your production. Can you tell us a bit more about this project? Uh, yes. Uh, going into our chicken project, uh, we built a building that was 50 foot wide and 150 foot long, and that was to house our breeding stock for our chickens. Uh, it was a big undertaking uh, because uh, we did not get any grants or anything for it. Uh, we simply had to pay for everything ourselves. Uh, so we have built that bu- building and it's now full of breeding stock, and we're getting eggs and chicks coming out of those breeding stocks. So uh, uh, we can supply, uh, we can handle the demand for the supply of our heritage chickens. And is there a high demand for a supply of heritage chickens? At this point in time, it's kind of uh, up and down. Uh, At this point in time, I think there's a lot of people out there that uh, are buying our heritage turkeys uh, because they... They really do enjoy the taste and the flavor of our turkeys, uh, but the same will go for our heritage chickens. Uh, they do have a different taste. Uh, they look different. Uh, they're not going to look the same as a uh, chicken you get out of a grocery store. Right. Well, that's why I kind of wanted to demystify some of these labels that we apply to things like poultry, like uh, free-ranged, organic, heritage. I don't even know if people really understand what a heritage breed is. Can you uh, maybe get into that a little bit more, aside from them looking different, what it really means to be a heritage breed of something? Right. Uh, 
The definition of heritage chicken is it must meet the APA standard breed. Okay. So what that means is it must come from the parent and grandparent stock of breeds recognized by the American Poultry Association. Mm-hmm. So you can't have a, a, a bird that is crossed from uh, one line to another. So it needs to be 100% of whatever breed that we are um, you know, comparing to the APA. Yes, it's, it's got to be 100% of that breed. And the reason for that is is we're trying to keep the genetic lines pure. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you start crossing genetic lines, uh, you get into a little bit of a problem because they're carried through generation after generation. Right. Uh, they just don't go down to the next generation. So what if you wanted to breed a chicken, say, for, you know, um, more fat on it or for bigger breasts? You wouldn't want to cross two breeds, right, just because you want to keep them as pure as possible? That is right. And the thing is, uh, there are hundreds of different breeds of chickens. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you want a a larger-breasted chicken, uh, you would simply choose the Cornish. Uh, They were bred for that reason. They have larger breasts. Okay. Uh, if you're wanting a larger chicken for roasting, say a five, six-pound chicken that dresses out really nicely, mm-hmm. then you're looking at a Jersey Giant uh, because that's what they were bred for is those specific things. Well, that's funny because I actually have a question from um, an email question from Susie T. Bloom of Cambridge, Massachusetts, and she asks um, about cooking chicken. She always seems to overcook the chicken, and she's really, truly dying to know how to make a banging roast chicken. Any tips? So would your tip to her to be a specific breed of chicken so that she doesn't overcook it while she's roasting it? Uh, I would suggest uh, trying the uh, Heritage Jersey Giants. Uh, You can also try the Plymouth Rocks or the New Hamps. Uh, The secret to not overcooking uh, a chicken is uh, don't turn the heat up real high. Keep it on a lower heat and uh, cook it for a little bit longer. Uh, When you you turn that heat up to 425 degrees, uh, you're really forcing that meat to cook rather quickly. And that sometimes tends to make uh, meat tough. It could like affect the, the structure of the meat in a sense? Yes, especially on heritage chickens. Uh, there's a lot more muscle mass in our chickens than you would find on a commercial chicken, uh, simply because uh, our chickens are able to run, jump, fly, and everything. So they build up muscle mass. So with the slower cooking, uh, you, you break down a little bit of that muscle mass. All right, wonderful. Well, with the size of the coop that you recently built, um, what is the production that you're able to pretty much um, yield from your uh, coop? And if people were raising chickens not in the same way you were in the same space, would they be getting a bigger yield or a lesser yield? Uh, right now, we can produce about 750 to 800 chicks per week. Okay. Um, and that size of, uh, of building that we have is based on our animal welfare standards. Uh, We base it on our standards to make sure that the birds are being treated humanely. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could grow a lot more chickens in that space, uh, but they would be a lot more tightly compacted. And that would actually put more stress on the bird, and it would actually harm uh, you in the outcome, in the the end, uh, because it would lower your egg production. Okay, so you're able to get chickens and eggs from your coop. Yes. 
Okay. So it's double purpose. That's yeah. always good. So now when you say that there's people that would take the same amount of space and raise these birds in um, more numbers, is that what you would call a commodity production? Uh, that's what we like to refer to as factory farming. Factory farming. Yes. Uh, and simply what that is is it's somebody who's trying to raise as many birds in uh, the smallest amount of space as possible. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about the true price of a chicken that is raised under the protocols of your farm in comparison with ones that are raised under factory farming um, productions. Okay. Uh, Our chickens, uh, of course, they take almost twice as long to grow. Ours uh, are processed at about 28 weeks, uh, where commercial factory farming chickens take uh, 8 to 10 weeks. So, therefore, we're putting a lot more feed into our chickens. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons uh, that we have to do that is because our chickens run and fly and jump and they chase after the bugs and they do that, they're actually burning up energy. Right. So they're not taking that all of that feed and converting it to meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it, some of it's being converted into energy. Yeah, and nutrients. <laughs> yes, and the factory farm bird is is actually genetically bred to not do any of that. They're bred to stand, eat, drink, poop, get fat, and, and lay down in it and sleep. Ugh. So that's that's the difference, you know. Uh, they're not burning any energy up, so they can they can put that that meat on a lot faster. Well, do you think that with this recent economic downturn in our country, that your um, protocols or the chickens you're raising are you know not going to be able to um, I don't know infiltrate the market in as big of a way as you hope to, and people are still going to support these uh, factory farms? Uh, the problem is, is there's there's always going to be support for factory farming. And, you know, we're not here to put the factory farms out of business. There's no way we can do that. But what we would like to do is be able to help people understand the true taste mm-hmm. and the true meaning of, of raising these birds the way they were meant to be raised. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we see, it, we see it as a little bit of a struggle to get into the marketplace, mm-hmm. but... Uh, it's well worth it. You know, that is, uh, that's our company's motto, you know, is to save these rare genetic breeds of birds. Right. Now, what happens if you see a label like Heritage Chicken on um, a chicken in just like a random supermarket somewhere? Could it be traced to your farm? Um, is that possible? Or are people just like, you know, coining these terms and using them without them actually being real heritage birds? It is possible that it could be one of our birds, but it's very, it's highly impossible. Uh, just simply because we don't we don't uh, sell a lot of birds to uh, grocery stores or anything. Uh, a lot of people have gotten on these little name kicks, uh, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get as many on their label as possible. Uh, so if you see a, a chicken in the store that is labeled Heritage, mm-hmm. uh, do some research. Find out exactly what they're raising. Right. You know, if they've got a website, go to the website. Uh, I'm sh- on all packages. There has to be some kind of uh, name. Right. Uh, look up that name and find out, and call them and ask them. Now, what happens if these, um, you know, farmers that are, you know, using the label Heritage and you know they have a name of a breed? And how do we find out if their bloodlines really did come from someone like you mentioned earlier, Norman, Norman Kardosh? Uh, about the only way to do is, is, is do your research. 
Okay. Uh, it, if you can't find out, then there's probably a reason you can't find out is because they don't want you to find out. And that's never a good thing. Yes. We need to be as transparent and traceable as possible when we're putting anything into our body. Yes. Now, um, I have a question here that you may laugh at, but it comes from Donnie Whitten of Kansas City, Missouri, and he wants to know from you personally, what came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Do you get that a lot? Yeah, we get that a lot. So, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say which, which would come first, the chicken or the egg, <laughs> but I, I would suggest the chicken came first. Okay, well, we'll hope that Donnie is uh, tuning in right now and he's gotten his answer. And um, we have something else. We have a, a law student named Nick Goldstein who writes in um, from Katona, New York, and he emailed the following. Um, he just read a case in his contracts class about an importer that asked for chickens, and he got stewing fowl as opposed to the young birds, broilers, that they intended. They sued for breach of contract. His question is this. In common usage within the trade, does the term chickens refer specifically to birds suitable for a certain type of cooking, or does it refer more generally to any member of the species? Uh, a chicken can be anything. Uh, there are stewing chickens, there are roasting chickens, and uh, there are frying chickens. Uh, so the definition chicken uh, actually can be noted to any type of chicken. Okay. So the contract would specifically, if it specifically called for a stewing chicken, mm -hmm. uh, then they would look for a certain weight range. Okay. And do you know what that would be? Uh, the stewing chicken is actually a chicken that's uh, four to five pounds. Okay. Well, Nick, if you're listening and you had a paper due, then there's your answer. <laughs> um, and um, I know that we talk about this in like the beef, um, you know, with beef farmers. And I have a question from Steve Martocci of uh, Manhasset, New York. And he says, you know how some beef is leaner? He says, I feel like with chickens, it is all the same. There are some fats that cut off the breast, but in general, the breast meat consistency seems the same. Now, I'm sure he's probably buying his chicken from the local supermarket, but he wants to know, um, do you farm your chickens a certain way to get them to a specific leanness or to a specific amount of fat? Uh, no, we don't. Uh, we actually uh, do not do anything to our chickens uh, to try to get them to be a certain weight uh, or to confirm to a, a certain body type. Uh, we simply uh, make feed available to our birds, and uh, we simply make uh, pasture land and grasses available to our birds also. So they're free to go out, uh, run around, eat the bugs, and do whatever they want. So. Okay, and now do you think that this pasture um, contributes also, besides the breed itself, to the taste, the final outcome? Yes, uh, I, I do highly believe that uh, because if they're going out and they're eating uh, any type of grass, they're getting a lot more uh, natural nutrients uh, than they would by just eating regular feed. Okay, um, and now we talked about like the importance of these different breeds that you're raising and how the taste is superior. Um, you want to maybe give a few words on some of the differences in taste of the breeds that we mentioned earlier, the Jersey Giant, the, the Cornish? Yeah, uh, the Jersey Giants are going to have a richer, fuller flavor uh, simply because they take a little longer uh, to get to that uh, age where they can be processed and they look nice in the bag. Mm -hmm. uh, 
the Plymouth Rocks and the New Hamps. Uh, New Hamps meaning New Hampshire's? Yeah, New like Hampshire's, this, sorry. Okay. <laughs> That's a term we use. But uh, they're going to be a, 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 a very good, uh, they can be a roasting chicken, but they make excellent fryers. Um, they will have a, a, a full flavor, uh, and the, uh, the white meat will actually be a little darker than a regular chicken that you're used to in the store. And the Cornish, of course, are the fuller breast or breasted birds, so uh, there will be a lot more white meat on them. All right. Um, now, is there anything that we haven't really covered? I mean, there are some people that say that if they knew more about the chickens that they are buying in the supermarket, that if they actually knew, they'd be scared to eat chicken. You want to tell us a little bit about maybe what you know as an insider in the poultry industry about the chickens that are in our local supermarkets that are not labeled anything? Probably the biggest issue I have uh, and, and our company has is how these uh, these birds are treated. Okay. Uh, you go to go into a supermarket and you see a chicken that's that's beautiful on the package, and it may look fine and nice, but you have no idea how that bird has been treated throughout its life. Uh, our our company name, Good Shepherd, is uh, is exactly what we mean. We are good shepherds to our birds. Uh, these birds uh, did not ask to be brought into this world. Mm -hmm. uh, so with us hatching them and bringing them in, it, it's our duty to make sure these birds are treated with the utmost respect uh, until they go into our bodies. So when you think about that, um, and this is a high, you know, this is a myth I like to uh, really discuss, uh, as far as organic, uh, the definition of organic uh, means nothing mm -hmm. as far as animal welfare. Right. Uh, organic doesn't mean that the birds are grown on pastures. Hmm. It simply means that there are no pesticides or antibiotics or no synthesized products being put into the bird. Now, those birds could be packed wing to wing in a building and not able to move and with no lights, uh, but as long as they're fed organic feed, they can be called organic. Hmm. And that's probably the, the hardest thing that people, uh, it, it takes people to realize that just because something says it's organic or it's all natural or it's free range, doesn't necessarily mean that it was actually raised humanely. Right. And that could, um, you know, affect, I guess, the end result because the uh, animal lived under stress. Yes. Uh, you know, think about how you would feel if you were locked in a, a 10 by 10 room with 50 other people. <laughs> that wouldn't <laughs> last very long, or some of those yeah. other 50 people wouldn't, probably. Yeah, so, you know... It, Take that feeling from you and, and place it on the animal that's being grown. Right. You know, it stresses them out. Uh, it changes the flavor of the meat. Hmm. Uh, it, it, it just, you know, it affects the overall quality of the animal. I could definitely understand that. Um, do you have a favorite breed of chicken that you raise? I actually do. Actually, I have two. Uh, <laughs> well, you can have my... two. 
<laughs> Unless you well, give me really good reasons why. Okay, I'll give you an excellent reason here. Okay. Uh, probably my favorite breed of chicken is called the, the Dark Brahma. Mm. And uh, these chickens I raise, the Dark Brahmas I raise, are for show purposes only. Uh, they are so slow-growing uh, that it takes them uh, almost a year before they're up to a uh, processable weight. Hmm. So I only raise them for show. Uh, they're beautiful birds, and so. but those, that's probably my favorite. And when you say for show, does that mean that they go to a show and then they become a pet? I mean... What do you do with them after the yeah, show? Yeah, <laughs> most of my Brahmas are, are my babies. Uh, I take them to poultry shows, and uh, they get judged uh, against other birds. So, and, you know, if I have a really good bird that I really like, uh, they usually get named, and they, they mm. end up staying on my farm forever. So. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, and then the next favorite? My next favorite would be the Cornish. Okay. Uh, uh, the Cornish are just so fun to watch just because they look like little bulldogs walking around out there. You know, they've got these big pouty breasts and they walk around and, <laughs> you know, it's fun to watch the males try to impress the females and they kind of <laughs> swagger. So that, I really enjoy watching the Cornish. It's like a social, a social experiment for you. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> now, are um, either of these breeds, well, I, actually, I'm, of course, the Brahma's not your favorite to eat, but is the Cornish your favorite to eat as well? Uh, probably so, uh, the, because you can actually fry a Cornish, uh, you can roast a Cornish, uh, you can do most anything with a Cornish, so uh, they're probably my, one of my favorite because I, I, you know, I like a lot of white meat. So Now, um, can you tell our listeners that have any other questions about maybe wanting to start up their own small chicken coops? Because I know um, even in this New York area, um, upstate and Westchester, people are building small chicken coops so that they can have their own eggs. Can you give them a way to get in touch with you in case they have any questions? Uh, They can go to our website, uh, which is reeseturkeys.com. All all of our information, contact information, is on our website. And they could purchase chickens through there as well? Uh, They can purchase uh, processed chickens, uh, but we do not sell, or we do sell live birds sometimes, Mm -hmm. uh, but we do not ship them. Okay. And that's because of our animal welfare standards that we have. When did you guys get animal welfare approved? Uh, We were approved by the animal welfare uh, three years ago. Okay. And how long have you all been part of the Good Shepherd Turkey Ranch Network for? Uh, Six years since the company started. All right. Well, congratulations. So it didn't take too much to get up and running before you got um, your certification. So that's uh, something to be very proud of. Yes, we're extremely proud of uh, setting a high standard. Now, for those um, people, you know, all across the country that can't, you know, acquire a heritage chicken, what would you say is, um, you know, the best thing they could do to support, you know, um, a farmer that's not working for big business and to also acquire, you know, the best tasting or best uh, quality bird for, you know, their money? Uh, Farmers markets are an excellent place uh, to go. Uh, You buy fresh, buy local areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, the thing I would tell someone that's uh, looking for one of these birds is, you know, when you go to a farmer's market and you see a chicken there, ask them what kind of chicken it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of times, even though it's, it's local, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times it can be uh, a factory farm bird. Okay. So that's not good. <laughs> no. Uh, even though you're buying local, uh, you're still supporting a factory farming 
industry. So the most important thing that we've learned today is to really ask what kind of chicken, um, if it has a name, we want to research the name of that chicken, where it came from, you know, uh, who the original breeder was of this uh, name of chicken and so forth. Yes, and, and that goes with any, any, type, of, uh, any type of meat. Uh, don't simply buy it because somebody tells you. Do, do your homework. Uh, know what you're putting in your body. Yes, I know we had a vegetarian call in this past weekend to um, the main course, I believe it was. We were talking with um, a butcher from Paradise Locker Meats, actually one of our sponsors of the network, and they asked, you know, what's the safest meat to eat if I'm a vegetarian and I need to get some protein into my body? And um, Nick of Paradise Locker Meats said, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of meat it is as long as you know where that meat came from and that you know who processed it. So it seems like you guys all have the same answer. Yes. Yes. Very important. Well, um, Danny, it's been a pleasure having you back on the show. Um, I'd love to bring you back on again, maybe to talk more about this uh, chicken project. And as your um, demand continues to increase and you know where the next steps are going with your um, chicken project. You bet. I would love to be back on the show again. All right. So everybody go check out www.reeseturkeys.com. And um, feel free to get in touch with Danny that way if you have any questions about building your own coop and eggs and anything of the sort. So we'd like to, again, thank our sponsor today, Hearst Ranch. Check us out on the archives, www.heritageradionetwork.com. And a big shout-out to our engineer today, Nat Wiener. <laughs> <laughs>